All right, you see, you should see the timer. Bang, yeah. bang, 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 bang. All right, all right, all right. We are back at the Cryptocosm, your place to learn about how cryptocurrencies and blockchain-based solutions is going to revolutionize the, the way we use our internet, information, and money. So, talking about all this three together, I got a special guest all the way from the U.S. And he has a special call stack, all right? And I'm, I'm going to stop yapping, I know. So I'm going to let him do the talking. And yeah, so anyways, <laughs> this is Will Rush right here. Welcome to the Cryptocosm. How's it going? How's it going, Marcus? Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, excited to be here. I mean, it's a, it's a really fun thing to talk about. I'm really excited to share the stack journey and kind of just talk about this crazy crypto world and, and teen education and kind of all those things. Yes, I, I, I did check, I know you guys have a, a waiting list for your app, you know, you, you're covering education, crypto, you know, talking about Gen Z's, parents, I mean, you're putting this all this together. Quite a nice package. Is that also the user face, the, the design? To me personally, is one of the best I've ever seen. So, uh, but before that, let's, let's go, yeah, let's go back to the origin story of how did Will Rush, how did you discover cryptocurrencies and how did you dive into it? Yeah. Um, man, I think honestly, my origin story of just like finance actually kind of starts from when I was a kid. Um, I had a mom who actually sort of grew up in like a polarizing house dynamic where my, my dad was well off and my mom seemed like, you know, was always struggling to figure out her own finances and kind of jumping back and forth between the two houses. Um, it was just so clear to me that there was like, you know, sort of this naiveness as a child, um, you know, to like why the bills were piling up or why my mom's relationship with money was always so complicated. And so when I graduated college and I, you know, I jumped right into a finance job, one of my biggest goals was actually to go help my mom, help her, you know, first get out of debt. And that took two years. We would kind of sit on her back patio and like literally write down on a notepad all of her expenses and, um, you know, like share how she could kind of get a game plan together to, um, to make, you know, take charge and make her financial situation a lot better. And then, you know, working in finance, um, I worked with big securities firms, so like E-Trade and Scott Trade and TD and Charles Schwab um, for eight wow, years. Okay. Those, are, those are big uh, during, traditional finance names. Right? Yes. I mean, it, and it was really yeah. fun, right? Because you get to see a lot of just like what's happening in finance. But at the same time, um, there was still like 65% of the entire U.S. population that was not actively trading wasn't investing in the stock market. And so there was always kind of this question in my mind that was like, why, why are, why does so many people just not invest? Um, and the story over time became pretty clear, which was just, there was like this inertia layer of complexity, of fear, of misunderstanding, of education, um, that really stopped people from really even ever getting started. And so Stack was really born out of going after crypto, um, you know, is probably the hottest investment product that everybody is very interested in, especially the youngest generation. 
but taking that group um, and really trying to educate and really trying to make the market more approachable. Um, and of course, different levels of investing are for different, you know, risk indexes and different education bases, but really everybody should be involved at some level. And so it's really trying to get that message out. That's really kind of what we're about and what Stack is built on. Okay, interesting. All right. So, wow. No, I, I, no, I just love that personal story where you shared about, uh, you know, I guess the family struggle and there is this sort of uh, this disconnect when it comes to money because, um, like, reflecting in of my uh, colleagues, like, here in Dubai and the States, um, there is a big gap when it comes to financial education, you know, so... Um, I, 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 I honestly I never realized that there, there was a uh, big gap you know you sort of like kind of follow this the old school model but I think when cryptocurrencies came into the picture I think a lot of people started to go into a sort of a uh, how do you say like an Alice in Wonderland kind of kind of deal so do, do, uh, <laughs> do you agree with that or they like I mean is that kind of like you have a different sentiment about it no I, I think so I mean I'll I'll generalize a little bit cautiously. I feel like there's really yeah. three personas of investing um, and really like finance even in general. One is the group that just really kind of disengages. And so maybe they have a bad relationship with finance. Maybe they don't have a good credit score. Maybe they've just completely unsubscribed altogether um, for one, one reason or another. Number two is that opposite, you know, sort of rabbit hole personality that is sort of prides themselves in investing and knowing about financial markets themselves. They might be a member of the Wall Street Bets community. They might, um, you know, be Google searching and, and being on Investopedia, for instance, a lot and really kind of enabling their, their knowledge base. Um, and then there's kind of like a third group. And the third group is really sits in the middle between those two parties. And their persona is more, I'm going to do the minimum to be a participator of the market. Um, but, you know, probably at a light level, you know, they might put money in like the S&P 500 index or, um, you know, some kind of mutual fund product that's really simple and easy to be a part of. And honestly, I think moving that group that really is sort of like financially disenfranchised or completely unsubscribes into that third group of, you know, people that passively invest or that just kind of do the minimum level education wise um, if you could just teach people that they could capture 90% of the entire output of the stock market by doing really simple things like the S&P 500 index and carry that over to crypto too and say, hey, you don't need to be a day trader investing in the meme coins on your Instagram. <laughs> you can actually yeah. go and invest in the blue chips, if you will, right? And, and just yeah. being a participator and just by putting a small amount of money into it to start off with and really understanding how these markets work and what the technology behind it is, all of those things. I mean, that is, I think, the, the real power in all of this. So it's it's taking those stock market lessons into this crypto market. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating to see a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of people are getting into crypto. Um, but I also see, I mean, there are stock market or real estate or even for crypto too. I mean, it doesn't make 
money too, you know. But uh, I mean, I mean, what what would be your opinion? Like, you know, why people are you know sort of like you know way away from gold or real estate, even stocks, and you know they are diving into crypto. Like, uh, I mean, what other than you know the big you know the big numbers you know like you know to the moon kind of memes but is there like a <laughs> like is there like a different scenario a different story that you see like that's kind of capt capturing people's imagination yeah i think that kribble kind of uh, crypto kind of has the rebel brands right now um and it kind of reminds me of like apple in the 80s if you will you know it was like the um, oh, okay. the right. the operating system that was you know a rebel brand to the Windows PC you know I think yeah. I think crypto being the new kid on the block um, sort of breaking a little bit of the the rules by saying we're going to be decentralized and we're not going to associate with these really kind of old school banks and this old like infrastructure of the financial system all those things um, mixed with just like the curiosity of its exponential value, right? I mean, crypto obviously has um, over the, you know, I always think of like the, the pizza story of, you know, the guy that paid for pizza with yeah. Bitcoin for $20. And, you know, now, of course, that'd be worth <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> like amounts of money. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, I think that makes people really curious about it. And that's, and that's a really powerful thing, right? I think it's, that's a good thing yeah. for the investing market. If you can combine that with, you know, this like kind of base level of education and, and it's a way to get people involved um, in their own finances, I think that's an awesome tool. Yeah, I, I, whoever the guy's name is, I, I think first of all, hey, you know what? Hey, thank you for your service. You know what I mean? I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, 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 you know, because in the end, like, I mean, of course, that time, I remember Bitcoin was was had no value, barely any value whatsoever. But it kind of, how do you say, uh, started a, a slow momentum, you know, and next thing you know it hit like you know one dollar then i remember then hit like a hundred dollars so i remember i was just you know, i was just watching you know like because i had some libertarian friends you know uh <laughs> that's how i learned about it and you yeah. know uh it, it, it was just a it, it, it was fascinating but at the same time too i was still the hot asset kind of guy but i guess more like in a gold and silver kind of guy but only later i realized you know how cryptography how the like it's a it's a multidisciplinary subject matter like crypto is not about cryptography there is economics there's human psychology i mean there's yeah and, and this is where like it, it sort of defies some of the things i have learned in the past and i had to unlearn a lot of things so uh what so about true. you did you go through the, did, did you or any of the people in your team kind of like went through that kind of a I, I don't know, like a metamorphosis. I don't know if that's, if that's, if that's the yeah. right word. <laughs> no, no, I think it is. I mean, um, it is so true. I'll say two things. One is our team, um, our, our team at Stack, very deliberately is not all crypto crazies. You know, I mean, there's definitely some okay. on our team who are who are crypto crazies. But there are also a lot of, um, you know, there's a few team members that really like to, don't have crypto as an investment themselves. And so to be a part of a company that is deeply embedded in crypto, I actually think is a really cool opportunity because we get to understand the psychology behind that, right? Um, and nice. also help them on their, you know, educational journey and really understand this broader population of, you know, people who aren't trading. 
I think your comment about like sort of unpacking knowledge, you know, and like unwinding what you think you know, um, yeah. with, with actually, you know, like what's behind the hood is so true. We actually have found that the best way to educate people um, on investing is actually to start by just asking them what they think they know and and kind of sharing, well, you know, like if you're using your Instagram as your financial advisor, it's probably not a good sign, you know, <laughs> you know, I, I <laughs> yeah. think I, I think some of those things are, are such cautionary tales because information is so available now, you know, and um, yeah. and people can get financial advice everywhere on every platform at the touch of a button. And so with that does become, you know, a, a little bit of a cautionary tale of like, what is the right information? What information actually leads to knowledge that's that's based in fact, you know? Um, so it is a, it's yeah. a rabbit hole for sure. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. But th uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, what I loved about, uh, you know, you have some teammates who haven't bought any crypto, but I love how you use them as your case study, you know, like, I think that helps. I think that really helps. And I think that's what a lot of a lot of other crypto projects I deal with, like in my line of work, you know, they're so like, uh, in the business, they're not working on top of it, they're not seeing the bigger picture point of view. And so I, I think that is a great value. Uh, not only just you guys are doing, but also others also have to follow too, because that's the only way I personally believe we can increase adoption. I remember I was talking to this guy, his name is Luke Stokes. Uh, he's the CEO and managing director for the FIO protocol. And one of the discussions we, he was, uh, we shared was only less than 4% of the world have some possession of cryptos. And, that, and to me, that is crazy. That's crazy. I'm like, wait yeah. a minute. That is, come on, that, that, it's crazy. no way. But, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, I'm thinking, wait a minute, I am an early adopter, man. I, I, right? I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm, like, here. Man, I'm a champ. <laughs> I'm, yeah, you know, so like, I, I, I'm like, man, I, 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 there's a higher chance of me being the Steve Jobs of, you know, <laughs> like crypto, you know. So, you know, there's room to grow. There is incredible opportunity. There's incredible abundance. So, now we have now uh, talk about all that to increase that number. I think the obvious topic we have to talk about is education. So with regards yeah. to stack, now you're you know you are uh, trying to you know educate Gen Zs and as well as parents. So could you like you know elaborate more in detail like how you guys are doing that? And yeah, please take it from yeah, me. yeah, absolutely. I mean. Education is, I think, at a, at a big layer. Like, if you think about what is going to get us from 4% adoption to even 35%, what, you know, like, is that really the stock market level? Um, even that movement, the biggest piece is how do you get crypto into everybody who's already investing's portfolio? I think that's going to happen naturally. That will happen because crypto is, you know, like, it's being accepted by all of the big financial institutions. It's being embedded into the regulatory frameworks of you know countries across the world. And so I think that is inevitable. The other really interesting piece, and this is really what Stack is built on, is going where there's the most excitement and using that as a tool 
to get people involved in their own financial education. And so if we were building a financial education product that looked like Charles Schwab's app, you know, <laughs> we wouldn't move the needle very much because you would get the people that already want to engage with it and you really wouldn't get yeah. much else. And so by throwing out the playbook and really saying, what do people, what makes people want to disengage with their own finance, with their, you know, with understanding how investing works? How can we break through that inertia layer early on, especially because when you're a, you know, an adolescent, when you're a teenager, you're just willing to do more new things. Um, and then you grow up and you start to fear change. You're learning about new things and new technologies. Um, we actually, so we've used, back to your, to your question about parents and kids and the connection, we use a parent study. Um, we looked at people that were born between 1975 and 1985. So they were basically in high school or college in the 90s during the internet boom. And we asked them what age did they first access the internet? So they could have been early adopters, like, you know, crypto now, um, or they could have, you know, reached sort of the maturity stage of the internet and used it like everybody else. And it's still early, we're still collecting more data, but our early data shows that if you access the internet before you were 18 years old, you had a 13 times higher net worth by the time you were 45 years old. And so just the power of that, the power of being part of the newest technology when you're young is such a cool and powerful story that can reverberate for 20, 25 years later in your life. Um, and so really that's our mission. Our mission is to get people involved. Wow, okay. Uh, what, you just share, what you just shared right here is just mind-blowing stuff. I mean, uh, this is not just about uh, like you know, increasing your net worth. I mean, this, this I, would, I would dare to say it can provide financial ascension for people to generate intergenerational family wealth, you know, if you have that access to information technology. Would we say that? Yes, Would that be the totally. Oh, I absolutely think so. I mean, and that story makes a lot of sense if you think about it too, right? You think of like, if you were an early adopter of the internet as a, as a kid, maybe you got a tech job. Maybe, you know, you decided that you wanted to be a developer, right? Like the things that actually yeah. I tell myself now and I'm like, man, I wish I went to code camp when I was, <laughs> you know, 17, 18 years old. <laughs> yeah. That's a good skill set to have right now. One of us could have been Satoshi Nakamoto, or, or who knows, like, some <laughs> yeah. anonymous guy, I don't know. <laughs> I know, I mean, it really does become about that. And so we started with parents surveying them, and, you know, that, that was like, it wasn't the expected outcome of the survey that we've done, but it was just one of those moments of like, whoa, that is crazy. It's crazy that that, you know, has such an effect on your long-term financial health. Um, and so I think parents really understand that story. And actually, there's a really cool symbiosis of our product where both parents and teens access our platform. Um, and parents are sitting in the passenger seat and teens are sitting in the driver's seat. And just like you, te you teach a teen how to drive a car, we are that for the financial system and really for crypto specifically, where teens can go queue up transactions. They can, you know, pretty much drive all of the things in the account and parents sit on top of it and they approve things. And so it's a way for a child to co-own an account with their parents 
and okay. make mistakes and learn hands-on with real money and do all of those things so that when they are an adult and when they are you know trading crypto with their own income or whatever it is they are much more prepared to go do it successfully wow okay that, no this is really cool this is really cool like um uh a parent and, and a child working together and also I, I love the fact that you know they can learn to make mistakes you know because you know it, like previously in school like it, it is like an abomination to make a mistake but the new trend <laughs> is or you know like when you when you enter the real world you have the only way you can learn is to make mistakes is to gain that experience and i, I think early on makes sense it's so true i mean like i don't know how you feel when this happens in your portfolio but when i see red right when i see that something's down there's like an initial reaction that i really have to fight and that's like uh oh you know like a sinking feeling like a little bit of a heartburn and i either want to exit the app um or i'm like oh i'm so stupid i should have you know sold at this price mm -hmm. or you sort of question yourself and so i think what's really great about this group too is they have such a long investment horizon i mean they have literally 40 50 years probably to go be investors until they really um you know might access these funds and so that in itself is so cool because they can fight through a lot of that inertia. They can fight through the red on their, you know, on their screen, on their phone and say, hey, yeah. you know, like this is just the, the market and there's going to be times when it's down and times when it's up. Um, but if you hang on for the long haul, then most likely you're going to capture some pretty cool compound interest. Oh, true that, true. Oh, man. You know, what are you just sharing to me right now? Like, I'm looking about, I'm reflecting on my younger self, you know, like, uh, but I, I guess also I'm learning to also forgive myself, like, you know, and be kind, you know, like, hey, you know, yeah, the, the mistakes yeah. I made of the past and stuff. But you know what? It, you know, that, that's why I try to, like, you know, talk to some of the younger guys um out here you know who are getting the crypto and stuff and you know just hey learn from my mistakes hey don't, don't be uh don't you know don't give too much devotion to you know one product or one aspect or one ideology or something like you know be open-minded and i think uh, cryptocurrencies and blockchain based solutions uh kind of you know help me be like water you know be fluid and and learn things in the process and and then build yourself strong, you know, so that's kind of like, uh, you know, my experience. No, I mean, your story resonates so well, because I think that there is this part of making this education accessible through a private company that makes it really unique, right? I mean, you pay for our platform, it's, it's the price of a cup of coffee a month. And so it is, you can ask yourself as a parent, would you go pay $3 a month for your child to go learn about their own financial education and do it in the place that your child is most likely to actually interact with it? Because if it's stock or if it's a bank account or if it's traditional finance, there just really is much less engagement. I mean, we actually ran in the very early days of Stack, we ran um, eight different A-B tests and we would literally have the same image, the same words, we would change one word, stock and crypto. And we got five times the engagement on average on the crypto ad than we did on stock wow. with teenagers. And so it was just so clear that teenagers are excited. There's a zeitgeist behind crypto that gets them interested just from the jump that 
the old sort of fiat and stock system just really doesn't access. Interesting. Yeah. Oh man. That no, that that's fascinating though because I'm thinking about your platform. I guess Stack is quite different than the other platforms. Like, I I guess I'm comparing to like like your your Charles Schwab. I don't know if E-Trade still exists. I'm not sure. I I, I barely kept up with you know what's happening yeah. in the US. But <laughs> so oh uh, yeah, I mean update me on that no, I mean, because I. There... <laughs> no, so E-Trade's still around. I mean, the, the big players, I think, have um, have seen some smaller fintechs, like, create these teen products. And so yeah. there's they're probably, like, maybe four or five years old, um, a few teen banks and a few, like, teen stock companies. No one really yeah. is. I mean, we'll be the first ones to be legally authorized to actually add crypto to our platform for under 18-year-olds. But... Um, I mean, that world that is trying to teach teens about banking and stock, I I love their mission, right? I mean, they are so aligned with us. And so I think it's beautiful. The, only, the thing that we're doing differently is that we're just starting sort of at the finish line, in my opinion. We are starting where teens already want to be. Um, and so we're completely unencumbered by being a traditional fiat business, you know, that, that has a banking function and has a stock function. We're pure crypto. And... And then we think about like things like NFTs and the metaverse and how do we tap into that from an education perspective, you know? And um, I think those yeah. things are definitely going to be on the horizon at some point, but <laughs> we'll yeah, see. No, no, we'll see. I, I, I don't want to butt up too much like, yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, know you got, I know you got like a little wait list thing going on, but uh, no, but uh, no, definitely that, uh, that's what I, 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 I see a, a USB, like a, a unique selling proposition for, for a stack where you guys are just focused on crypto. You don't carry the, you know, this, uh, I guess the old energy or I guess energy coming from the traditional financial space. I mean, that, that area, you know, it does carry a lot of, uh, baggage, I, I would say, you know, so here are independent and you know like free from that it's, it's a fresh you guys are fresh out uh, out in the open so um i think that is uh, pretty cool and i think that definitely obviously it will attract young millennials and gen z's you know so i, I could see that happen so uh, not only just in the united states hey uh, i mean if, if overseas hey uh i, I th there is a, a a young uh what do you say population like in india over here in the UAE, Dubai, like, uh, I mean, you know, uh, the young the folks are, they are hungry. They're yeah. looking for, they want to go places where they treat the best. Africa, uh, like the whole continent, incredible talent out there, incredible, like, I mean, like some of the people are coming to Dubai for events. Man, I, I cannot stress enough, like, uh, these guys, they are looking to, like, take, like, three, four, five steps ahead, you know, so, um, uh, personally, for me, in my point of view, just saying, I mean, I it. it's my personal view that you guys are right on the money. So uh, hang on <laughs> there, man. Hang on there. You know? <laughs> hey. <laughs> I appreciate that, Marcus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what your early financial, you know, like education journey was, but I mean, everybody's is different, you know? And it's, um, and it's one of those things that it's like, if you can really just create a product that makes this whole world approachable, you know, and, and easy to access and let them customize how they want. Let them make decisions, 
give them the facts and, you know, let them decide for themselves what they want to invest in or where they want to spend their time or money. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the important thing, like, you know, just being the enabler of all of it. Yeah, and uh, I'm glad you said that because, you know, speaking about products, um, one of the discussions I have with, you know, some other people in the crypto blockchain space, I think, I, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but I, I believe that the, nec the new next generation of crypto or blockchain-based products uh, will be adopted when, you know, people wouldn't know that these products are actually blockchain-powered, you know, so they, they won't, you know, like, have Yeah, this yeah. kind of a mentality or is it uh, is it uh, bitcoins or bsv or is it ethereum or is it uh, cardano like th there won't be that arguments like i'm sure you're familiar with that that kind of conversations right <laughs> It's true. I mean, I will say this, the the next generation, Gen Z, I mean, we're we're obviously constantly trying to keep a pulse on on them. they are so different in so many ways, you know, I mean, they, they run towards technology in a way that I don't really know any generation that has, I mean, I'm, I'm a millennial. And, you know, I feel like growing up, um, you know, there was definitely just like a, a huge difference in, you know, being conscientious, maybe at a young age and being entrepreneurial and wanting to, Um, you know, really like engage in my own education and future and all those things like at a high school age where I see high schoolers now and they, some of them are on social media on TikTok charging $1,500 for a, for a TikTok post, you know, I mean, and I think that you can look at that and you can say like, <laughs> you know, you can look at that and say, well, like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Or you can look at that and say, that is inspiring that these kids have monetized themselves in a way that you know is is really cool so so power to them i think i think giving them tools that give them the power to go you know i think really lean into some of that spirit is the most important thing Oh man, that is uh, straight up facts because uh, earlier I was just uh, talking to some of my friends, my fiance, and you know, one of the the tough questions that you know us millennials have to ask is, you know, like you know going to you know college, going to you know you're, you're getting your bachelor's, your master's degree, you know, I'm just man, thinking and and you know, so, so, like so, so, especially some of the Gen Zs, the I mean, some of them already are creating multiple income streams. You know what I mean? Like that is that that incredible, and and some of them also learning how to figure out all that stuff. They 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 like, oh, you know, wow, that is entrepreneurship on fire. Yeah. Yeah, they are so impressive. They they really I mean, we work with a lot of TikTok influencers. Um, we do some some sort of affiliate work with a bunch of like, you know, I'll call it maybe college age kids and then some teenagers as well. And it is just shocking. I look at these kids, you know, on on Zoom and I think like, oh, my gosh, what was I doing when I was their age? I definitely was not this, you know, entrepreneurial and I definitely was not, you know, <laughs> on my game in the same way. And so I think that is just so cool about, you know, this next group of kids like they they are doing some really cool things. I am inspired by the, the technology that I know they're going to build. Um, and so like just be building a product for them actually is so fun. It's so fun building something that, you know, 
is enabling the next generation to go build even cooler things, you know, and, and to really lean into mm -hmm. this kind of totally new ocean of Web3, if you will. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love the fact that you talked about, you know, the fun side and you know, building products and all that stuff. But I kind of want to, like, challenge you or maybe kind of, like, uh, sort of... Uh, I know it's the right word. Like, let's not talk about the fun stuff because I know it's kind of cool to talk about, hey, building a company and all that stuff. But I'm, I'm also want to kind of like bring yeah. some reality when it comes to, you know, building a product, building a business, getting teams together. So I'm sure there's some, I don't want to say bad stories, but just like you know, some challenges, like or you know, just obstacles that came in your way. So, I mean, is it, could you please share like some of the challenges that you had to deal with yeah. to you know bring this kind of product to life? You know. Oh my gosh, totally. I mean, they're um, building a company is just there. It's one of the most, I think, soul searching exercises that you can really do. Um, there is a lot of self talk, you know, that I think is a huge part of it. There is definitely an emotional toll, you know, to just like self growth and being really honest with yourself as an entrepreneur and saying, what am I good at? What am I not so great at? Um, where could I bring team members on to sort of round out the skills that I have? Um, I mean, the story that comes to mind is very early on, um, you know, when we were sort of running stack, there was like two, probably two or three, and, you know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this experience, but I was self-funding the company. Um, it was coming out of my own bank account. And I literally wasn't sure if I would have enough money to go make payroll. You know, and I was looking at my, my own bank account was, was getting smaller, funding the company. I was making zero dollars. Um, I had two employees working for me at the time, um, and they were like critical to, you know, getting our technology built and doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And so it was just, I mean, it was one of those trying moments and I was out talking with investors and it's one of those like hunt to eat, if you will, moments where if you don't go close a deal and get a check, like you don't know where your money's coming from, you know, the next couple of weeks. And so there were some really trying moments. I think fundraising is, um, you know, you can see on your LinkedIn, all these stories of, of entrepreneurs raising X amount of dollars from this incredible venture capital firm. And that is just yeah, like yeah. the very rare story, you know, it's like, there are so few entrepreneurs that actually raise money that easily. And, and, you know, and often, you know, the people that do raise a, a boatload of money from somebody probably had a lot of moments like that, um, you know, in between where they were, you know, a little bit scared or, you know, maybe it took them 40 different VC pitches just to get that one, you know, investment. And so those are some of the things that I would tell myself looking back, just like, you know, understand how hard this journey is going to be, that it's a lot about yourself, about self-development, about... You know, knowing that there are going to be some really big dips in the roller coaster, you know, um, oh, and yeah. hanging on and pushing through and being true to yourself no matter what. I mean, our company has definitely changed um, over the past year, but we have never pivoted from our impact statement from day one. Um, and so I think that is kind of the essential thing that you say you know, we can move, we can, we can change our business model, or we can kind of figure out how revenue is going to work or how our marketing campaign is going to go or exactly what our customer base looks like or how we serve them. But if you stay true to your impact, that is, you know, the thing that actually gets you out of bed in the morning, that on those really bad days, 
makes you care about what you're actually building, you know, and actually pushes through. So it's hard. There's, there's a lot of low moments for sure. It's, yeah. it's, um, not for the faint of heart. No, so, hey, no, hey, no, th thank you for sharing that. Uh, thank you for sharing, you know, like you know, the, some of the realities of, you know, like starting a company and, you know, it, it, I, no, I, I feel it, you know, as a business developer, like you're kind of like a sales, the, the, the salesman in chief, you know, like you have to, you know, like try to close some deals and stuff. And um, I, 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 can, I can feel it and it's not uh, easy, but uh, I, I, I like some, some of the things you shared, like, you know, because I have met some of the st startups over here in Dubai and some of these guys have raised money from, like, you know, FDX Capital or uh, Alameda Capital, you know, Research Capital or whatever, Sequ uh, it was a Sequera Capital, all these big names, you know, but, you know, it, uh, you know, but I can, uh, but I also understand, like, uh, when it comes to, you know, getting money from other VCs, you know, you know, there are some, uh, uh, some things you got to watch out, like, because uh, in, in the end, yes, you, you, you got the money, but at the same time, you're on the hook on that money and you got to, like, bring results. So, like, I mean, yes, you know, kind of like, uh, can you just give us some, like, uh, sort of like how to handle that kind of situation and how, how to not let that kind of bother you, you know, as an entrepreneur? Yeah, yeah I mean, um, I think, you know, I'm a solo founder. And so I think that's also a unique okay. part of, of the journey when you're doing it all yourself um, and you're kind of the only strategic decision maker. I think the hardest part about that is you're sort of forced to plug every hole, if you will, you know, and, and any early startup experience is like, you know, it's, it's a boat with a bunch of holes in it that you're just sort of trying to keep afloat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> until, yeah, you know, you can, you can sort of make it out to sea. And so I think, um, plugging those holes, you learn a lot about yourself. And so that part is really incredible. If you take those lessons, um, I, I think the other kind of, like lesson that I would tell myself in once you have money, you know, and, and you have to go find value and go create a good business. One of the biggest things is creating a culture of failure. Um, because the reality is when you work at a big company, you're taught not to fail. Um, not only are yeah. you taught not to fail, but you actually get a lower pay, you get a lower rating, you get told that you're, you know, not an adequate employee your boss might not think as highly of you. And those are all just when you fail. And so when you're at a startup, what's what's totally turned around on that is actually failure is running a bunch of experiments to get to success. And so now I question if there's a day that we're not failing, I'm, I'm a little on edge, you know, I think like, uh oh, you know, we <laughs> because you're yeah. failing in these sort of hyper experiments, as long as you're not failing the same way twice, and you're learning from each one of those, I think that is the startup culture, you know, in itself and, and just teaching yourself so many different things. You run a marketing test and you say, okay, is this gonna be a good marketing channel for us? Let's go send an email and see the engagement that we get out of it. Or let's go work with a TikTok influencer and let's see, you know, what, what wait list effect it has. And so you can sort of run these mini experiments. You do it in marketing and you do it in, operations and you do it in product as much as you can when you don't have an actual like live app on the app store um, and you do it with customer and you do it with your finances and pricing and so you can really run all these hyper effective experiments and the more you actually fail in those experiments or you at least look at it and say hey there's probably something that we can do better 
the better and closer right. you get to what is actually successful. Um, and so I think just like being willing to be resilient and to learn from everything um, and to realize that you're in the two person sailboat when everybody else is in like the big cruise ship and they have to steer one degree at a time um, and yeah. you can steer in any direction, any day that you want, anywhere you want to go. And so that's right. what you have as a startup. You have agility because every big company has capital and they have resources and they can go build whatever they want on any day that they want, but it's going to take them a long time because they have a big core business that they are functioning out of and you have nothing. So you can go do whatever you think is going to create value um, at any given day at any given second. Interesting. No, the, the, no, no, actually, that, that perspective is, is unique. This is the first time I'm hearing it about being having the courage to, you know, like fail and try different things. So that's uh, that that is kind of a, that's kind of new, even for an entrepreneur to say that. Uh, that uh, you're one of the first people who said well, they said that. You know, uh, I guess many of the entrepreneurs who I come across, many of them, you know, they do come from a kind of like a strict corporate background. Somehow, you know, they got into the the startup phase kind of deal but um i don't know it, it, it is interesting so i'm glad you shared that i think that this kind of uh I, I know like you know the young folks are listening in you know they will be encouraged to be like hey you know what hey uh things happen but you know it's that's not part easy. of the process you know yeah. so yeah. uh I, I think that is important because uh you know a lot of us, I guess it's, it's kind of like, you know, they lost, we, we all watch a lot of, you know, like social media and stuff. So we, we watch a lot of highlights, but we don't see the behind the scenes stuff. The struggle is real yes. kind of deal. Like, yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, so true. You, 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 you get told that you have to fit into this mold as an entrepreneur. Right. And like, I, I thought for so long that because I wasn't like taking apart TVs in my parents' basement or something when I was 12 years old, like I wasn't an entrepreneur. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's not yeah. true at all. You know, it's like, you yeah. don't, there is no mold for entrepreneurship. There is no mold to go be a founder. I think the only thing that you really need is you need to be passionate about something to fight through the darkest days because I don't think there is, there's a, there's an amazing book that any budding entrepreneur should absolutely read. Um, and it's called The Hard Thing About Hard Things um, by one of the founders of one of the biggest VCs in the world called Andreessen Horowitz. Um, and he talks about, like, there's this oh, chapter okay. in it that I think is one of the best chapters. And he talks about this thing called the struggle. And he's like, the struggle is when you're at dinner with your wife and you can't think about what she's telling you because all you're thinking about is your business. The struggle is when you forget to eat all day because you're working so hard on your product. The struggle is when, you know, you think you're a giant failure. And he has this whole list of what the struggle is. And at the end of it, he says, every single successful business founder has gone through the struggle. The struggle is what makes greatness. Um, but not everybody gets out to the other side. And so I think if you have that impact statement that you really care about, that is going to get you through the struggle, that's what matters. And also knowing that the struggle is going to happen no matter what. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, 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 good, no. Those are good points. Oh, that those are good points. I think uh, I have met some, I met some uh, pretty incredible people. They have said the same thing, and um, that that's yeah, that's that, that's the reality. So, but anyways, uh, we have covered you know the, the you know the glorious side of you know starting stack, but you also shared the realities you know when it comes behind the scenes starting you know starting stack and you know 
bringing value to the marketplace so and speak about the marketplace uh, I, I would love for you to uh, finish us off you know just talking about you know you're, you're in the crypto space you're, you're dealing with you know parents gen z's people of all backgrounds and one of the things i love to talk about is uh perception about cryptocurrencies you know like uh <laughs> It's a tricky one. <laughs> I, I, you, you, you know where I'm going with this. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I, I guess just for the audience to figure out, you know, a lot of people have crypto. How, how, how do you invest in crypto? So um, I, I'll leave it open to you. So I know uh, whatever comes to your yeah. mind, just, <laughs> hey, find a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that the audience that is that's <clears throat> maybe curious about crypto, um, but cautious because they've heard bad things. Maybe they've heard about fraud in crypto or, you know, like I think people always point to like the Silk Road story, you know, because that was like one of the mm. first use cases of crypto was like, you know, yeah. buying drugs online. There is um, there is negative and there are bad actors in every system and every technology in the entire world. And that is inevitable. There is also so much beauty in what's behind the scenes in crypto. Um, and so I think that's where education matters because there is always going to be bad actors. There is always going to be you know, the meme coins that everybody gets burned on after a celebrity, you know, puts it on their, their TikTok or Instagram account. And then there's also going to be a technology that allows, you know, zero inflation that is completely borderless, that is digital, that's accessible around the world 24 hours a day. And so I think there is a level of education that every single person benefits from by experimenting, um, experiment at a low dollar value at first, um, take really, really safe investing practices like long-term holding, periodic savings, diversification, know your risk index, all of those things. But I absolutely am a fundamental believer that every single portfolio in the world should have crypto in it. And so that is you know, the North Star. And I think that we're gonna get there. I think that people, there's a lot of curiosity and we just need to move curiosity into actual investors. All right. Okay. No, that's good. I, I like that. Yeah, man. Uh, you, you, you definitely done your homework, man. You definitely got a good uh, big picture off it. So a big picture point of view, you know, so um, yeah, definitely. I can see, I, I think uh, what I believe is like, you know, with more uh, products, just like your, just like yours, with great user 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 interface design and just making it fast, easier and reliable, you know, I yeah. think that will definitely. I personally believe that's going to really speed up adoption, like no doubt about it. So um, it's totally. inevitable. It like it is it is it's those tools that like there's the infrastructure tools, which you know we're not building an infrastructure tool necessarily, but I appreciate the speed the ease of use, the access, you know, and then I think what we're building at Stack is on top of that education, you know, it's okay, now people can easily access things. Let's make sure that they know what they're doing. Let's make sure that they use safe practices. Let's make sure that they know the good, the bad and the ugly and everything in between, you know, about this world, 
so that they can be prepared to enter it in the right way. Um, so yeah, no, I'm excited. I mean, I'm sure we feel very similarly about where it's headed. Very, very optimistic. Um, and I think there's just so much good behind it that that can be, um, you know, infused into everybody. I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I always say that, hey, the best yet to come. So speaking about the best yet to come, you know, if people want to learn more about Stack, how can they find you and reach you? Yes. So um, me personally, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So that's always a good medium to check me out, Will Rush. All right. Um, and then you can check out our website, trystack, T-R-Y-S-T-A-C-K dot I-O. Um, we have a wait list on there. Would love any teens, any parents, feel free to join our wait list. Um, our wait list is growing at about 16% every week. So it's, um, you know, just like really, really cool user base there. We're going to give free stuff to the top 250 on the wait list. And so once you add yourself, you'll get an automatic referral code. And if you successfully refer even just like one user, there's a pretty good chance you'll um, you'll head towards like the, the top 500 and then eventually 250. Um, so would highly encourage any of those things. And then, you know, just stay plugged in, like whether it is Stack or it is any other platform, what I care about and what will always be the North Star is getting involved somehow doing it with a small amount of money and trying to educate yourself. Um, you know, I think what we're building at Stack is going to be a really approachable, easy way to do that. But there's also a lot of other great platforms out there. So everybody should get involved at some level. Hey, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, and for the folks out there, I'm definitely going to share his LinkedIn profile, also the, uh, the Stack link. And yeah, uh, you're going to learn more. And obviously, hey, you'll be the first to know. Keep following and uh, yeah, just uh, I'm, I'm also glad that, you know, you're also, you think in an abundance mindset where, hey, look, if you're not using mine, learn from other people too, you know, like there's, you know, great, great stuff out there. So I think that that is great. I, I do love the idea that, hey, it helps us to uh, be better and also provide value to the marketplace. So, um, but anyways, yeah, that's it. Uh, I, I know it's about that time, uh, but hey, thank you for entering the cryptocosm i do appreciate it oh absolutely thank you so much for having me marcus it was a it was a pleasure to speak um you know to to all the listeners out there um you know this is an awesome podcast and i'm sure that uh you know i'll be tuned to all the other awesome you know leaders that you have on it and excited to follow your journey uh, sure, sure. Hey, I do appreciate it. Uh, that definitely uh like you know from my side my goal is to you know bring some voices uh in this you know from from our space and uh, there are lots of amazing people just like yourself they are actually building you know uh solutions like you know i, I would say like conscious individual solutions that are solving the unconscious collective out there and i truly believe that cryptocurrencies and blockchain in particular uh, along with other technologies too can solve that and that's really true conscious individuals you know so that that's what I I personally believe. So I think uh, how that journey and how you create a stack, it, it, it's one of them. So yeah, hey, first of all, hey, thank you for your service in this uh, in the crypto. And I like I said, okay. hey, the best is yet to come. <laughs> thank you, thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, y'all, we gotta go. 
uh, we got we got uh, we got a lot of work to do, you know, to expand the space, you know, uh, try to pump this rookie numbers of four percent to you know thirty five percent, right? So, uh, so anyways, thank you uh, for tuning in. Y'all be good, y'all be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. <laughs>